darling, we're the young ones, and the young ones shouldn't be afraid to live love while the flame is strong. 'Cause we may not be the young ones very long. Tomorrow. Hey, everybody. This is Chris. Uh, Got something a little bit different, a little bit special today that we're wanting to try out. Now, if you listen to the Cosmic Treadmill, you know that this past weekend we released, in lieu of an all-new episode, a special young animal presentation that we put together to celebrate Weird Science DC Comics' 100th episode back in December of 2016. And that gave us an idea. As I record this, we're in early August 2018, and uh, we're in what just might be the final month of DC's young animal pop-up imprint. Now, it feels like just yesterday we started covering these books, but it's actually been nearing on two years at this point. Far as I can tell, and I've done a little bit of research on it, seems like we might be the only two jokers out there who've actually discussed every single young animal offering. And we thought it might be, uh, you know, a little fun to share them with you on this feed as sort of an all-inclusive thing, you know, as the imprint draws to its potentially indefinite close. Because, you know, it's comics, after all, so nothing is old, nothing is permanent, so we never know if it'll come back. Uh, but for Young Animal, it kind of looks like it's, uh, it's on its way out. Now, for this, the uh, first Young Animal, I guess, gatherum, we'll take a listen to our first six segments, wherein we discuss Doom Patrol number 1, and that originally aired September 18th, 2016, Shade the Changing Girl number 1 from October 9th, 2016, Doom Patrol number 2 from October 16th, 2016. Cave Carson as a Cybernetic Eye number 1 from October 23rd, 2016. Shade the Changing Girl number 2, November 6, 2016. And then wrap the whole thing up with a segment where we discussed both Doom Patrol number 3 and Mother Panic number 1, and that one originally aired November 13th, 2016. We initially considered lumping these together as, you know, say, all the number ones and all the number twos and so on and so on. However, if you follow Young Animal, you know that Doom Patrol's release schedule became rather dicey pretty quick. So we figure if we did it that way, we'd be jumping all over the timeline. So uh, chronological is probably the best bet. Now, this episode comes in at around two hours, which is a little bit longer than we usually go but we did want to make sure that we covered all of the number one issues here while keeping our own cosmic continuity intact. We hope you enjoy. Once in every lifetime Comes a love like this Oh, I need you You need me Oh, my darling, can't you see Young one Darling, with a young that classic classic jam this is a uh, mm-hmm. one that chris and i like a lot this is something we bonded over early on the young ones an old bbc yep. show where did where did you pick up on the young ones chris uh, they used to air it on comedy central probably like 1994 oh yeah it was like one in the morning and i remember uh, i remember staying up to watch it and not not knowing what to make of it but uh you know luckily it's available i think it's on hulu now so you can check out the whole show. Oh, really? It's, oh, yeah. And, and if you're uh, 
And if you Google a bit, you can find some of the other shows that the uh, that the young ones uh, cast was in, like uh, like I think there's one that's like Cat Flap and something. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, the other one is uh, is Bottom, which is uh, Rick Mail and uh, what's his face, uh, Ada Edmondson. A- Adrian Edmondson, was, yeah. Yeah. They were also in a cool. show called uh, Comic Strip around the same time. That was another BBC. That was before show. the young ones. Yeah. Oh, that was that's before they all, the that's young where ones. That's they all met. Um, and I can't think of anything else. Rick Mile passed away, obviously. Uh, yeah, a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. He was in, what was that called? Drop Dead Fred, right? He was Drop Dead Fred, and he also did a, uh, he played like a like a British aristocrat in, in like a, and actually like a, an acclaimed show, uh, probably around the turn of the century. I just can't remember what it was called. Was it an American show? No, no, no. It was, it was, a, it was a British show. Hmm. But uh, it was a... Uh, it was totally different from what you'd expect from, you know, Rick Mail. You know, you would think the the way we're talking about it, this is actually a young ones section, but it's not. This is all about young animal. Yes. Uh, Chris and I have been tasked with reviewing the young animal line of books because Jim and Eric thought they were too weird. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be coming, but I actually think Jim is going to jump on for one of them towards the end, so we'll see how that goes. Cool. Uh, but the first one came out this past Wednesday. That was... Doom Patrol number one, written by Gerard Way, art by Nick Darrington, Tamara Bonvillain. Meet Casey Brink, thrill-seeking EMT and magnet for the weird. Seems like everywhere she goes, gyro sandwiches are spontaneously exploding, robots are being run into by garbage trucks and exploding, or roommates are opening the front door to a singing telegram named Terry Nunn that turns them into birthday cake by exploding them. Maybe her powers are more explosion-based than magnetic. Elsewhere in the book, intergalactic fast food executives plan to manufacture cheap meat from Danny the Brick, and Niles Calder composes music for flies. Yep, smells like a Doom Patrol book. So I really enjoyed uh, this pretty well as a Doom Patrol fan. uh, I think you did too, Chris. What were your your impressions? Uh, I think you've read every run at this point. Yeah, so you you are also as versed as I am. Yeah, because this is uh, volume six of the Doom Patrol. Uh, amazing, I know, wow. Isn't it? And uh, yeah, I've, I actually marathoned the entire run uh, probably about two years ago. Whoa. And uh, yeah, this is uh, this this isn't the worst, and it's it's not the best, of course, but it's not it's definitely far from the worst Doom Patrol. This is uh, this was a surprise. Yeah. I was I almost had like a knee jerk reaction when I found out it was. What band is this guy in? Uh, My Chemical and, Romance. Yeah, as I read the Umbrella Academy, and I didn't care for that, and I just figured uh, that this was going to be more of the same, and uh, I was almost trained not to like it. So when I read it and I liked it, I was, I felt like I betrayed. <laughs> you felt some smoke, but, uh, felt some smoke yeah. coming from your ears or something. It does not but compute. It, but it was a, uh, it was really, and, and you put in your review on the site that. Uh, that this really pulls elements from just about every incarnation of the team. It really does. Uh, in, and in, that, in a very, in a very, um, well, see that now this this was my only my only misgiving about it was it was in a very satisfying way to me as someone that knows the team, sure. And it's our incarnations over the years. I I'm not sure what someone new to it would think of those scenes or if they if it would even mean anything to them you know like I, uh, I think it was a I think it was one of those things where if you notice it you get it but if you don't notice it it doesn't matter okay I mean you know that's fine you know I don't mind a little bit of fan service especially when I'm such a gushing fan over a, a team like this but uh, that that was really my only problem with the book was I felt like there was a lot of stuff that I was able to put pieces together a lot of characters that were familiar to me 
Um, and I didn't know if that would be the same for a new reader uh, to sure. Doom Patrol. But um, I still think the pictures are very pretty. I thought the action was yeah. very well laid out. Uh, the story was, was told in a very weird... I would say definitely the, the storytelling itself was more uh, Morrison... Pollock era type Doom Patrol, as far as I was yes. concerned, kind of snapping back and forth into weird scenes, but it was um, very proto Vertigo. It wasn't the full Vertigo, but it was, yeah, it was like that weird time when the books were Vertigo, but not branded Vertigo. That's yet. right, yeah, Swamp Thing and and uh, this Animal was one Man, of them. Animal Shade, Man, yeah. yeah. They it were just felt very much like that. For, they were suggested for mature readers line. Yes, I I, w- I would agree with that. Yeah, and it definitely was, uh, you know. Definitely was very cool like that. It was it was a cool thing to read. We'll see where it goes. Uh, you know, I gave it a tentative eight out of ten. I think I'm right there with you. Uh, I mean, I gave it a full eight out of ten, but tentative. Well, I'll, I'll give it a full eight out of ten as well. Okay. <laughs> I don't my I don't my score wasn't tentative, but you know, meaning that you know we'll see where this goes. This is this is definitely sure. very promising, and uh, just excited to keep reading it. Absolutely. And I I couldn't believe <laughs> one of the only like the thing that really caught me was uh was was uh what's what's her name Casey yeah and she was she was wearing the Morrison era Robot Man jacket yeah I mean that just it was amazing you know it's just the minute something... you see it you know what I mean yeah, yeah. well for, uh, first Robot Man's wearing it and then he gets clobbered and then he explodes yeah and then she wears it. it yeah it was really like uh it kind of reminds you of him and and Crazy Alice that kind of relationship so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was definitely there was a lot in it, but there was there was new stuff. This this uh, woman, um, what's her name? Nun Terry Nun. She she's new. The singing telegram. Yeah, she's a she's a new character, and uh, we'll see. Maybe they'll bring Ambush Bug back. That will make me happy. And it seems like uh, from the variant cover, uh, Flex Mentolo was on it. It seems that way. Yeah, there there seems so to be. be and we got uh, Danny the Brick now, which. That's what uh was that at, during the Giffen run was he he was Danny the Bungalow there? No, they, is that what he became? He, he was Danny he the started brick. Danny the Brick, and then they built him into. They Danny built the him bungalow. into a bungalow, yeah. yeah. Or maybe he's back down to being a brick. I mean, in a way, he's always Danny the Brick, just manifesting yeah, just <laughs> in different ways. Danny the Street, Danny the World. It seems like they're skipping the uh, the new Fifty Two Teen Titans iteration of Danny. Because he was a member of the team. Titans. I know. I, re- I vaguely. <laughs> I didn't read that. Did you? Did you read that? Yeah. Oh, uh, see. I I heard about it. I was like, that does not sound like a good idea at all. It wasn't. <laughs> you know when you <laughs> really see when wasn't. you the, see this is the thing when you put a character like that into a you know quote unquote real situation. Mainstream. Yeah. Uh, main, exactly. That's a good way to put it. A mainstream situation. It doesn't work because that's total like. You know, uh, god level obliterating powers. If you're going to use yeah. them like that, you know what I mean. It's just you always have to keep putting them like, ah, oh, I guess I'll do monitor duty. Yeah, you gotta, know, you gotta govern them somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we're, well, we're on that red sun planet again. Sorry, Ex- Superman. Exactly. Yeah, we're we're near the mortar wad that Danny yeah. the Brick can't do his thing. <laughs> I should read that run though. One day I'm gonna I'm gonna do uh, all of New 52 T Titans as a sort of penance or something because. Uh, what did I, you do wrong? It it is spotty, I you know, but I kept coming in and out. I was like, oh, maybe it's good now. No. Well, do yourself a favor and definitely check out Ravagers too. Oh no way, no, I can't do that. That was the Orange Beast Boy, right? I remember all that. And there were yeah, other, okay. there were other Doom Patrol shit in there too, right? 
I think there was. I, I, I have the entire run of that, but I think I, I didn't make it past the first issue. Even those guys on the uh, Waiting for Doom podcast don't talk about that shit. You know what I mean? And they're like, <laughs> they're any any time the Doom Patrol shows up, they'll mention it, but nope, yep. not for that one, boys. <laughs> anyway, I think that we uh, have run this little segment out as long as it can sure. possibly go. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be tightened up in the future, but, you know, obviously if you want to contact us, you know how to do it, folks. And until next month, I think, is when the next Young Animal book comes out. I uh, think Doom Patrol's it for the month, yeah. Yeah, for the rest of this month. So next month we'll have two segments like this. But until then, keep it animalistic. Later. DCComics.com podcast. Looks like this imprint's ramping up, and what do we have for him this week, Chris? Well, we're going to help launch the second uh, title of the imprint. This is Shade the Changing Girl, number one. Uh, written by Cecil Castellucci, with art by Molly Zarcone and Kelly Fitzpatrick. Uh, created by Steve Ditko, the concept of Shade. And uh, we got here, we got Megan Boyer. She's not a nice girl. Loma is not a nice bird-faced, quote, Pelly-looking thing. Uh, <laughs> one's dying of boredom, the other's just dying. After swiping Rackshade's M-Vest, the M's for madness, Loma is able to flee to the great blue that is Earth and hop into the body of our brain-dead, uh, heroine, maybe? <laughs> Megan's body is now back in business, an occurrence which is being met with a rather mixed re- response, and Loma finds herself on the run from the Metan authorities who want their swanky vest back. That pretty much sums it up, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm not very good at the blurbs here, so... <laughs> no, also, this, also, you couldn't pick a uh, more difficult issue to encapsulate, because sort of things happening in this issue are a little metaphysical, you know, and I think they're somewhat subject to interpretation, or at least to later clarification. Yeah, and there's a lot of swirly pink lines and stuff in here. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, again, and we said I said this about Doom Patrol, the art was great. I thought it fit this... Yeah. Kind of psych- the psychedelic scenes looked uh, on point. The coloring, you know, being so bright was uh, really great. But yeah, personally speaking, this suffers. If I had any, you know, negative thing to say about it, uh, this suffers from the same kind of thing as Doom Patrol, where you really have to come into this with a lot of prior knowledge of shade i think to get the most out of it yeah i'm hoping that they fill that in as we go on but i'm not sure that they i'm not sure what the mandate for this imprint is i don't know if it's going to be for seasoned readers and new readers both or if they're going to play the game a little bit closer to you don't need to know things but still putting things from the past in there i I, I I, i'm really not sure i would hope it's the latter and especially you know changing the the gender of shade kind of speaks to that hopefully but Hmm. i'm also 
very hopeful for this imprint and these weird books because that's one of my things. But I definitely felt the the lack of knowledge on this one much more than Doom Patrol because Doom Patrol yeah. I've read all of them. Shade I really only know the, the some of the '90s. That was uh, Milligan, right? Did the '90s? The Pete Milligan and uh, Chris Pachalo. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't even know. All, I, I probably read. I don't know. Probably ten of those, something like that. And uh, I remember liking them, thinking they were weird, but. Hmm. Uh, no, they really were. Uh, it was through. a it was a good series until about halfway through when you could tell that uh, Milligan would rather have been anywhere but oh, yeah. on the book still. <laughs> it uh, there was a very sharp decline in uh, I don't want to say quality but maybe passion. Like it just it seemed a lot more well thought out in the beginning and real tight. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was just kind of okay. This is a book I got to put out. But uh, even then, uh, Shade changed bodies a bunch. I mean, Shade was a woman for a, for a long for a long portion of that oh, Vertigo right. run. Yeah, and then he changed from like the mod poet to just a mod, and then to a woman uh, who, I, if I'm not mistaken, was in a relationship with another woman during that. But uh, real real uh, real fun series for the most part uh, until you get to the end, and uh, hopefully, this uh, I, I'm hopeful we'll actually see Rack Shade show up. Since he was name dropped and it, uh, his vest was like, stolen. Yeah, it seems like they can't stop naming him, so I feel like it's going to have yeah. a lot of connectivity to that series. Uh, yeah. But I, I have no intention of going back, nor nor the time to go back and read that series <laughs> now. So we'll we'll find out. I mean, I'm hoping this is something that new readers can. You know, it's obvious. It's just like Doom Patrol, the next couple of issues will tell us whether the first issue was good. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly it. That kind it. of a situation. <laughs> yeah, when I when I wrote the uh, the review for the site, I like I, I had to read it a couple of times. I, I didn't like it the first time, and then I started to kind of like it, and then I I think I kind of graded it on a curve of the potential rather than the content. Yeah. Well, because I, uh, I could we could see this thing going really well, or we can see it kind of not. I, I think that's fair. You know, uh, you know, I'm usually. I'm usually that way on first and last issues. You know, you have to, when you're yeah. doing a first, you're looking at its potential, and when you're doing the last, you're looking at the cumulative thing. That yeah. did, it, did this work not as just a singular issue, but kind of as a capstone to the series? So we are hopeful. What, what score did you give it, Chris? I gave it an 8 out of 10, and I think I'll uh, I'll stick with that. I think I would have given it an 8 out of 10 also. A very, a very positive... Uh, face towards the sun type of eight though you know like definitely hopeful yeah. looking forward to the next issue see we we'll see if we learn some more about this uh mysterious madness and you know this meta world and stuff so Certainly. i'd say that we give that a positive score go check it out sure. if you're weird like us uh, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. And I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. You got anything else? No, I think uh, we have our next one will be, which one is it, Cave Carson? Cave Carson, which I think actually comes out next week. I, th- I think very soon this is going to become every week. Uh, yeah, in November. Def- definitely by November. That's when Mother Panic comes out. So mm-hmm. uh, Cave Carson, uh, I'm doing the site review, but we'll talk about that. Actually, no, I'm wrong. Next week is Doom Patrol. Uh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, then after that, I think is Cave Carson. Then we get a week off. Then November starts, and then it'll be every, every week. Then it'll, it'll be, be a young, a, a young animal. Weeks. Yeah. So Very that, good. that'd be cool. We'll see how it goes. I, there's a preview to Cave Carson in the back of Shade, which I thought was somewhat intriguing. I dug it. Uh, it was interesting. I don't know if you. I don't know if you hmm. looked at that, Chris, but. Uh, I did not. The art is like very. Um, much more cartoonish. I mean, like Gendi Tartakovsky, like Samurai Jack almost level cartoonish. 
It's, um, it's weird because this whole imprint feels like something of uh, Oni around the turn of the century. Oni comics, yeah. Just just from the art, it's like it is that kind of realistic but kind of cartoony. But there is a big disparity between the titles as well, where uh, one is certainly more than the other. Definitely, yeah. This, uh, and also, you know, these different scenes that they have, uh, you know, depending on what they're showing, especially in Shade, where it's like psychedelic world, it looks one way, and then when it's her, yeah. In regular world, it looks another way. Uh, I mean, it's it's top notch visually so far, so I have no complaints. But I'm looking forward nope. to all, all this wacky stuff. Hopefully, this will usher in <laughs> a new age of Haney, but uh, it probably won't, and we're probably better off for it. But it's, <laughs> until next time, keep it young, my animals. <laughs> See you. segment with Chris and Reggie. Chris is here with me. How you doing, hey, Chris? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. We have uh, one of my favorite books this week, even though it feels like we just read this one a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> sure uh, does. Doom Patrol number two, written by Gerard Way, art by Nick Darrington, Tamara Bonvillain. Villain. Villain? Larry Trainer is back. Only problem is he doesn't know who he is, or perhaps he doesn't know which one he is. Larry is reunited with Cliff Steele just in time to see him destroy Casey's apartment. But as luck would have it, a new living space has just opened up. Dannyland, the trippiest place on earth. So, I really like this issue a lot, Chris. Uh, yeah, I thought it was real good. This one really felt to me like, you know, real pure Doom Patrol, uh, across several styles i you know i definitely think this one's borrowing real heavily from grant morrison but i felt a little uh uh you know rachel pollock and a little uh arcudi run and, and even a little bit of keith giffen in this one so uh what yeah, it seems like a really good blend of uh, of I want to say all of them besides the drake one <laughs> so, yeah. you know the drake the drake one was just a little bit uh i don't want to say cerebral but this is just a I don't know. This one just kind of seems to uh, it, it insists upon itself, but in, in a good way. It's um, it, it's definitely. I think I said this to you yesterday that it's it's definitely comics for people that are very pleased with how smart they are. <laughs> um, this is a very rarefied air territory here. Yeah, uh, but that's I. You know, I'm if that's what I am, then that's what I am. And you know, I've always liked a weird comic that is uh, kind of hard to pick apart. Um, but again, I would say my misgiving with this comic, the the really only thing that holds me back from saying it's a, I guess, quote unquote, perfect comic or, you know, giving it, you know, must read. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, you, I, you really have to be steeped in Doom Patrol to un, to really, I think, get the full full amount out of this. I, I really would like to hear more from people. And I have heard from some people who aren't uh, as deep into Doom Patrol and what they think of this series. Some of them love it. Some of them are so confused by it. Um 
I, well, I gave my wife the uh, first issue to read, yeah. and she she gave it back to me. <laughs> <laughs> not not that she reads comics uh, by any stretch, but I was like, I just wanted to see if she got anything out of it, because uh, you know, like we said, this is this is steeped, um, and uh, just someone who's never never seen you know Robot Man's you know steam shovel mouth before, just to see what they uh, what they think of it. Yeah, and she. Yeah, she just you know shook her head and gave it back. So because there's that at face value, it's you know it's a it's just a robot, but you know you, mm-hmm. the import of it and the import of like you know the different uh, you know his his design and the fact that he's wearing the leather jacket and you know yeah. that means a lot to people like you know like us and others that yeah. have read the series. But I just wonder how that reads to people. Um, it's not hard to look at. It's I think it's a really well done you know well drawn book and really sure. well colored. Uh-huh. Uh, almost yes. psychedelically colored. Um, you didn't like this thing in the beginning with the lexicon gang. Yeah, they, you know, it, that's that's some of the, that's like one of my main complaints about Grant Morrison's writing is he's got like that super hip writing and not not the Bob Hope kind. Yeah. But, the, uh, <laughs> but like where he like puts words together in ways that sound like really really cool, and then when someone else does it, it just doesn't come off as cool, and uh, it just seems kind of like. Uh, yeah, you know, like they want you to be like, oh, I get that. That's that's Morrison. You know, I I think that's kind of what it was. I could be completely, you know, talking out my ass here, but uh, when I first read it, I kind of shook my head a little bit. Um, luckily, uh, on the next page, I saw the Mastroika doll, which <laughs> which Larry Trainer was uh, was you know that was a big part of his thing during the early Morrison run. Oh yeah, yeah. Was those was those Russian uh, stacking dolls. So uh, that kind of got me out of it. It's you know a little bit of continuity porn for me, but that's what uh, that brought me back in. Sure, I, it's only a couple of pages that you're talking about anyway. I I think if anything, the Lexicon Gang might represent that kind of Morrison wordiness, you know. Uh, Could be. But maybe 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 I'm you know reading too much into it. I dug it though, and especially I like the fact that he looked really stupid. And he, and he actually reminded me of Doug Funny. Remember that? <laughs> Remember talk about that yes. cartoon? Uh, this is sort of an adult new wave Doug Funny. Um, and also with with the with the Russian nesting dolls, the the uh, Matroika dolls, uh, I definitely think that this, that's signifying that this is every Larry Trainer. You know, it's going to be maybe they'll even they'll bring Rebus into it instead of just the negative entity. I got, I definitely got that impression, you know, and the fact that when he wanted when he needed, you know, negativity, or and then he started puking up all that black crap in the back yeah. of the ambulance. That reminded me of Negative Man from. Uh, Arcudi and Tan's run, you know what I mean? Yeah, Mr. Uh, negative, the Mr. negative man, yeah. That that type of negativity, you know, and it's like, oh, well, that, you know, that's another type of negativity. Anyway, I mean, we'll see how it all pans out. As far as I'm concerned, this series is is obviously at issue number two is in its infancy. It could go either way, but as personally, as far as much as I enjoyed this, uh, I gave it a nine out of ten. Yeah, I'm right there with you. This uh. This I, I had a few fears going into this series, and one of them was assuaged right away in the second issue. You know, Cliff and Larry know each other. Yeah. I didn't know if this was going to be ground zero or below ground zero, but just knowing that, seeing that Cliff and Larry recognize each other, even, you know, with Cliff being Robot Man, uh-huh. that tells me that they have, you know, they, they, there were previous adventures. And uh, I like that. I, I didn't know if they were going to be... If this was just going to be like a fresh, you know, ultimate take on Doom Patrol, perhaps a rather rebirth. than exactly, <laughs> <laughs> or or if this is just this is Volume Six of the continuing adventures of the Doom Patrol, which I would be fine with me. It it appears to be, and it definitely makes me curious to know how they knew each other. Obviously, there's you know 
some sort of a dimensional time warping. I don't know. You know what I mean? Something we yeah, happened there's, there's, here. So there's still a lot. It's, it's still very nebulous. Yeah, but but, uh, but I agree. But in a good the, way. The fact the fact that uh, they knew each other was uh, gave me a lot of good feelings for the series, and I, I even like the way uh, Cliff greets him. Right? He says, uh, "How come you get to be the handsome or something like <laughs> yeah. that?" Because so, I was afraid it was going to be, hey, who the hell are you? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> so, like day one, you know, but yep. uh, it wasn't. And so nope. uh, really enjoying this. I'd say if you are a Doom Patrol fan, then you're probably, need to pick this up. you're probably reading it already. And if you're not, you need to check it out. If you're not, would you consider yourself very weird? Uh, if you like Howard the Duck, maybe, or... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else would be good out there. Uh, preacher or something. You might you might dig something like this. I, I I'd love to know what you think. You should write in to Jim and definitely send him uh, full emails about Doom Doom Patrol. Just yes. Paragraph after paragraph about Doom Patrol. Questions, uh, observations, anything. Uh, Jim and Eric would love to read that stuff. So make sure you send that to uh, <laughs> Weird Science DC Comics at Gmail dot com. But uh, I think for us, that's all there is this week. Next week, we do have Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. Indeed. So Looking uh, forward to seeing just what in the hell that is. Exactly. <laughs> that'll, that'll definitely put us both on a brand new footing. So uh, until then, have got anything else for him, Chris? No, that'll do it. Well, young animals, keep it young and also animalistic. Later. everybody to the young animal segment my name is reggie my name is chris and we're bringing you a brand new comic this week from young animal uh their third in the four planned releases so far uh, this one is gabe carson but first i want to talk about uh, i want to mention a couple of people that wrote to us on twitter i asked a question last week people that weren't familiar with the doom patrol to please write to us and tell us what they thought of it as new readers and uh, repairman jack wrote in and he said that he knew nothing about Doom Patrol, but he's loving it, he, and he has faith that it's going to, uh, he's going to understand it later on, which I'm glad, I hope his faith is not, is not misplaced. We all hope to understand it more later on. <laughs> and Dirty Drew said he felt the same way. This is all by Twitter. Uh, he was about to jump into Morrison's run, which I would say is probably so far the closest, right, DNA-wise. Uh, and I totally envy him a first read-through on Morrison because uh, I wish I could forget it all and learn it all again. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, it's something that really, well, you know, I, this will be the litmus test. You know, it's either going to yep. draw you in and you're going to walk away saying, wow, I just really read what a landmark comic, or you're going to walk away saying, what the Take fuck a shower. is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to burn all my comics from here on. So, you know, that could, we're, we're sort of in that position with this uh, book, Chris, with uh, Cave Carson has a cybernetic yeah. eye, number one, because uh, we don't know anything. He, despite looking him up and seeing that he's been in some comics that we've read uh, and sort of touched on, we have no memory of him. I can't remember ever seeing him, ever seeing him mentioned, you know, uh, 
He's sort of an offshoot of the challenges of the unknown. I know them. Uh, he was sort of at the same time as Rip Hunter. I know that. I just never heard of this guy. So uh, we're both going into this totally cold. Are you sure? Maybe we didn't forget about him. Mm, maybe. Maybe because... our, uh, our <laughs> eyes were wiped, right? Because he, he was part of the Forgotten Heroes briefly, too. That's so maybe true. we all forgot. But I didn't forget about the Inferior Five once I found out. This about is true. Them, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd never forget about them. We'll see how we feel about it, but let me give you the uh, rundown. It's written by Gerard Way and John Rivera, art by Michael Avon Oming and Nick Filardi. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, an ungrateful adult daughter, and a corporate job at EBX Mining, and a dead wife. Too soon? It's certainly too soon for Cave, who mourns alone in its empty house until a scary green monster disguised as a Muldrugan nearly tears him a new eye hole. Cave is going to get to the bottom of this mystery. With his old pal, Wild Dog. So you just tucked into this, right? Today, yeah. you, you finally took a look. What was your, what were your impressions of it, Chris? I, I quite liked it. I uh, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Like, we were, we've been talking about it. It's like, what is this and what is it going to be? Yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned uh, earlier, I'm not sure if it was on the air or not, but uh, when I saw that uh, Oming was involved, I thought it was a, a typo because I didn't <laughs> think he would, uh, I didn't think he'd pop over to D.C. Um, maybe it's the uh, Gerard Way effect. Yeah, I think it's, but, it's, uh, the, it's the young animal buffer allowed this to happen. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a... Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised. I, I, I think it's probably, I, you know, I don't like it as much as I like Doom Patrol, but uh, then again, I have history with that. Mm. Uh, same with Shade. But uh, definitely uh, serviceable, and I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah, this one was stylistically a lot different than the other two books, too. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, a, we talked about it today, and I said it kind of, it kind of vacillates between a mid 20th century ad agency and yeah. like, even like you know weird crew Charlton comics from the seventies, and then uh, maybe a, a, a Gendy Tartakovsky comic uh, cartoon, you know Dexter's Laboratory or something. Kind of has all these different aesthetics. Uh, the colorists use a lot of Ben Day dots, which gives yeah. it that pulpy old feel. But uh, you know it's 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 it looks a lot different than the other books in this imprint and uh looks a lot different than a lot of other comics on the stand i don't dislike it you know but it definitely is not you know immediately recognizable to you as like comic language i feel like you kind of have to yeah look at the page for a minute and figure out what's going on overall the storytelling is pretty good um better some parts clearer some parts than others but i didn't have a lot of trouble following what was going on um i sometimes did have to kind of go over <laughs> <laughs> a couple of pages a couple of times and be towards like towards the end uh, I had to do that yeah towards the end it gets a little it gets a little dense um but but you do pick it up and basically what I said here is true you also get a cameo by um uh the Magnus right Will Magnus Will the Magnus Metal Man and the Metal Men and the Metal Men are also there they're sitting on a lounge including one that I never I never saw before this uh who is the green guy over here it's like Uranium Man or something I don't know who that is um you know, that that was really cool, and I like that it shares the DNA with the weird Silver Age side of DC, so there's has that going forward. The inclusion of Wild Dog at the end, or like the uh, implication of Wild Dog was a little yeah. strange, but uh, that, I guess, works for me so far. I, I had no real complaints about it, didn't expect it, so that's something for a comic. Yeah, that was I was really shocked, and it's actually, you know, it's the same dude. He's working at Wheeler Auto, which makes me think it's Jack Wheeler. Yeah. Who uh, who is Wild Dog? Who has always been Wild Dog? 
Uh, you know, it's um, funny that yeah, and they did. You know, they were they didn't say his name through the because I, I reviewed it, and I'm always like, all right, let me get these guys' names. They didn't have his name. I was like, who is this guy? Like, yeah, they never really they never call him Jack or really uh, Cave never calls him Jack or anything. So, yeah, it's it's a total it's a total surprise at the end. He opens up a locker and there's the uh, wild dog outfit and a bunch of guns. Yes. So yeah, and I am a sucker for wild dog. Yeah. And, it seems like he's one of those characters that's a, that it's really ironic to like right now, and uh, being on being on Twitter a lot of the day, I haven't seen any mention of it. So well, it's like I don't know how many people actually are are buying this. You, you know what's strange, and and I don't think that this was done purposely, but Wild Dog is currently on the new season of Arrow. Yeah. So it's so, that's sort of a weird. It's almost like. Uh, you should have picked a more obscure character because they they just at dragged this him. point yeah. <laughs> yeah they just dragged him out for TV uh, but who knows maybe that'll put more eyeballs on this I I, I don't know who knows um, as far as I'm concerned I'm I'm okay with there being a wild dog in the comics and a wild dog on TV it's not gonna not gonna bother or confuse me too much no <laughs> uh, but uh, you know overall I'd say this was a good comic and. Uh, the best part is that I definitely feel like I want to read more, which is as good as it gets, I think. You know, I yeah. mean, if if you want to pick up the next one, then this comic did its job. Um, for a score, I gave it a 7 out of 10, probably largely based on, you know, not being as enthusiastic. You know, my, my last True. Jupiter Patrol score was a super enthusiastic score. This was like, uh, but I feel like that's a, that's a good score, and that, that tells people, yeah, go, give this a look. You know, if if you have problems with... Art that's a little left of center, um, then this this might rub you the wrong way. Some people don't like seeing such cartoony or stylized you, artwork. Yeah, if if you like Powers, you're gonna like this because um, that's that the Bendis and Oming book. Yeah, uh, Powers. It's coming out through Icon at Marvel right now. I uh, started off at Image, you know, way back. But uh, it's you know it's of course it's very similar to that because it's it's Oming. But uh, it's uh, I think I don't know if there's a different anchor on it right now. But it, 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 you could tell it's not Powers. Like maybe the lines are a little bit less thick. Well, um, uh, you know, and I, I've I've only looked at a few issues, but I feel like the art is more consistently one style hmm. in Powers. Am I it, it, yes. am I wrong about that? Like, yeah. it's, and and it's still the same very cartoony style. You know, very like I don't know how to put it. Animated round. series definitely yeah. looks definitely looks like you could this could be a cartoon today. But yeah. I feel like it sort of changes uh, different points during the book, and that might be an artistic decision. Could uh, be. You know, like when he is talking to the guy that we that we know later as Wild Dog in the, in the shop when he's in that uh, auto body shop, um, the art gets a lot different. Plus, we we notice at some point the eyeballs look really weird on people. Yeah, not they're just, just gone. <laughs> not just Cave Carson's, or like there's one point he's in the diner with his with his daughter Chloe, and her eyes just look really bizarre, like something. I don't, and I don't know if that's an, again. That could be a stylistic it choice could as be. well. There's like a, definitely an eye theme considering it's in the title. So it's really a mystery, and it's, and it's sort of exciting to, to be in a place where we don't know what's next. Any, you know what I mean? We, anything it's very can rare we're a new reader. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so this is an exciting uh, book for me to keep reading, and uh, do, do you feel like giving it a score? It's a... Uh, you know, I, it's gonna it's gonna come off trite, but I'm gonna give you the same one that you uh, gave. It seems enough. to be our uh, we seem to be uh, looking eye to eye on a lot of our <laughs> animal scores in our but, uh, cybernetic yeah, a, eyes. 
This is a solid seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think a solid seven is a good way to put it. You know, it's right there. It's 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 worth a grab. And uh, yeah, we are simpatico as far as the uh, young animal line goes so far. I don't know what is next week, but I know in a couple of weeks we have the first all new character, Mother Panic. Um, I'm not positive. I think I think you're reviewing it, but it might be a surprise guest reviewer. We'll find out how that works out. But I'm pretty sure Chris is going to tackle that, and I'm excited to read that too. That takes place in Gotham City, and yep. um, I really have nothing more to say about it. People, people <laughs> on, on the internet, you know, creators like it, but creators always like other creators' shit. So that's that's what yeah, they kind of have to. <laughs> they kind of have to. <laughs> they they want to get a retweet. They better yep. uh, say something nice. <laughs> So uh, I think that's all we got for him this week, Chris. You uh, got any other young young animal stuff for him? I don't. <laughs> this is a this was a. Uh, and I'm I'm optimistic about the uh, creative uh, future for this, if not the sales future. But uh, you know, what do I know? I got to give I'm... it up to you. You've made a lot of unwitting eye puns. I, I assume they're unwitting in this episode. <laughs> so. That's no, no, I, that was all calculated. <laughs> <laughs> you're optimistic, you know what I mean? You see eye to eye. You, you, you really, you're just a uh, entertainer at heart, Chris. I'm, I'm a wizard, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, um, if you guys have any comments about Cave Carson, you can always tweet me at Reggie Reggie, and you can tweet Chris. In Ace Comics. Um, you can also write to the uh, podcast. I'm sure Jim dropped the email already. And uh, let us know what you think of this comic, any other young animal stuff. And until next week, keep it young and animalistic. week we have a young animal book as we do every time we record this segment uh what's the book today chris this is the second issue of shade the changing girl this is the uh, second chapter of earth girl made easy the story title is school is hell uh it's written by cecil castellucci with art by molly zarcone andy parks and kelly fitzpatrick uh we have uh we have our heroine i guess maybe yeah the girl that we're watching i suppose definitely our protagonist we'll say (laughs) the the protagonist that's better uh she's already been infested by that bird critter loma uh, and now she uh rather quickly returns to her normal life as a uh, student at uh amelia bloomer high school and uh we get to watch as she roams the halls of this high school and has run-ins with uh, old friends old lovers and old victims would you? Do you think you would go back to school if you got the M vest? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, to me, life just takes on a new hue. You know, you don't need to. You know, you, the school's finished. Well, I'd yeah. say work is finished. You know, you're pretty much going to just be a walk around your a spreader of madness and nothing more than that at that point. But uh, 
I give it up to her. At least she she kept with her studies. Um, sure, she got to keep up appearances for her uh, sort of kind of parents, I suppose. Okay, which why? But anyway, you know, <laughs> I mean, that, I, and that's just me. I mean, obviously, this is the this is the you know thing about the book. It's uh, you know, crazy girl with uh, you know imbued with alien superpowers, making in the normal world, but. In reality, if I were imbued with, you know, alien madness and powers, uh, I would just be creating madness. That's all. I'll tell you this. this if you think this election cycle's bad, I'd be making things real <laughs> wacky out there. I just lock myself in a closet and enjoy it. <laughs> that's another way to do it. Exactly. You know, that's like all the free LSD I can get. Uh, so I really like this book. Yes, um, it's, it's very good. Yeah, I, I, I saw you enjoyed it. Um, so it really goes along. So do you want to just let's start paging through? I guess so. Sure. Begins with uh, you know, um, like what are we gonna call her? I guess Shade, right? That's what she likes to be called. But she she'll yell at us if we don't call her Shade. That's right. It's it's uh, Megan as Shade, and she's kind of lying back, eating eating a candy bar, drinking a Coke. Uh, she's wearing some real cool looking sunglasses too, which I think are befitting a uh, spreader of madness. Mm-hmm. And uh, her mom comes over and says she has to go back to school. She had her school uniform pressed, and that's how we, we also know right there she goes to some kind of a private school. Mm-hmm. So uh, she decides that no matter some things, no matter how far we run, you can never escape. And I guess one of those things in this case is school. So she uh, gets ready, goes in the shower. She's able to get dressed by levitating her clothes around her, which, you know, right there it's why am i why going not? to school yeah. uh, you know what i mean like i, I could levitate crap around me i you know i'm pretty much good for life i would say but uh how long is there any impression of how long she's been out of the hospital at this point um i don't see it here although don't, don't they say later on something like uh are you mean out of the hospital oh yeah oh i think it's pretty quick right? yeah i think it's within days if not like you know i mean almost ridiculously the next day or whatever but <laughs> it's I would like say, maybe, maybe yeah. stay home a week maybe maybe get reconnected with a normal life here i think they gave her a long weekend that was it so uh, maybe it was and, columbus day and i mean and i mean truthfully speaking you know as a you know if you were a parent which we're not but you know if you noticed your kid who came back this unusual, you know, <laughs> you might be like, wait a second, we really need to look at this because, you know, she went in into, into a coma one way and she came out, you know, Miss Space Cadet. So uh, mm-hmm. let's let's take a look at that. But they don't. They send her off to school without a bra because she doesn't know what the word means. Yes. And uh, yeah, she goes right into school. And it's uh, it's I, I found a lot of this very interesting and melancholy, uh, believe it very or not. Much. Um, yeah. It, because it, you know, it's like she, there's a guy. I guess he he was her boyfriend. Is the first guy she meets? Is that the idea? Yes. I think he he was the guy that uh, that she was going swimming with uh, when she had the uh, when she drowned. All when right. She drowned. So she uh, so he's like uh, even more freaked out. It's almost like seeing a ghost for him. And, and he's uh, also been with like one of her friends while she's been in the hospital. Yeah, to make things That's even so, more. Yeah, make it a little bit more twisted. But. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, all I'm going to say really is that, you know, in general, and we'll go through with some of the other people she meets, but she doesn't know anybody. She's, she's, this is not her life. You know, this isn't, she doesn't remember her life as Megan. She's now Shade. So all these people have these relationships with her, and we see them manifest, and she can give them nothing, you know? And I really found it sort of sad, you know? Like, yeah. Megan is gone. You know, this, this girl, for all intents and purposes, is dead. And these she's people. Dead. Uh, they don't get to cope with that, or they don't—they don't get to process that in a way that's 
uh, normal, you know? Human, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, let, 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 let's let's see. So she talks to her boyfriend. And it looks like she like she can see, like, projections of their emotions. If, yeah. Unless I'm not re- reading it right, but it, uh, it seems like uh, she can see how people feel towards her. You, you, uh, unless that's a stylistic choice and I'm just reading too much into it. No, I, I definitely, I mean, also there's the point where, you know, her boyfriend's standing in front of a heart and it's tell a tale, tell. Obviously, yeah. she's seeing that he's feeling guilty over guilty. something or yep. we know what he's feeling guilty of now. But uh, I think you're exactly right that she's getting a sort of anthropomorphic over the top version of the emotions around her. Uh, was that that wasn't a thing that Shade could do in the 90s, was it? I don't really recall anything like that. It's been so long, but I, I know uh, I, I know he used some sort of uh, empathic powers on occasion. Yeah, as I recall, he almost, he almost had like a psycho pirate type ability uh, if he wanted to. I think maybe. I, I'm not sure if that was the vertical version or like the Ditko into the Suicide Squad version. No, uh, well, uh, I don't know. It's all, it, it, was, it all bleeds yeah, it together all nice. like the colors <laughs> in this book, you know? Yes. Um... Yeah, so she bumps into her, her ex-boyfriend, or now her ex-boyfriend, yes. and uh, he's like happy to see her, and she just says, "Who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> and that leaves him feeling kind of bummed out. But the you know, saved by the bell, off the class. Uh, meanwhile, you can talk about these weird alien parts that kind of freak me out. They they were like to me, they were the only part of the book that really dragged a bit. It's like yeah. I, I understand why they were there because you know this is gonna come to a crescendo eventually. But um, the alien parts, it's just them trying to get the uh, the vest back. And, uh, you know, talking about exactly what the vest is uh, in, in brief. But uh, also, you know, just planning on getting it back and uh, what are they going to do to get it back. And uh, it, it, yeah, it really dragged these little bits. But uh, it, it did. But, uh, yeah, it's necessary seeding it's necessary, later. Uh, and, you know, it's not like it, it wasn't breaking my heart. But I feel like part of it is that all of these different, you know, cool looking aliens or whatever, they're all interchangeable for us at this point. You know, they don't yeah. really have any personalities or anything that we know about them or care about them, especially when we have, you know, Shade going to school and like. I mean, this obviously is a book you have to see to believe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, visually, there's so much like uh, psychedelic stuff happening at one when she's sitting in class reading a book and like shade ooze is pouring off her hands, you know, and into like into the book, down yeah, the pages. Yep. And this is stuff only she can see, but uh, you know, and, and I guess the reader can see also. But it's it is really the uh, point of this book, I guess, or the the. the Thing that binds this book is it's so visually weird um I, you know i gotta say i mean this is basically you think just a rendition of an acid trip in a lot of this like the uh you know the way that when the there's sound when the bell rings it seems to almost like manifest as big balloon letters over here and uh who knows i don't know we, i guess we'd have to find out from the artist what the real inspiration the is yeah. yeah um Anyway, she winds up in the library uh, where she's hiding from uh, the other kids while they go to lunch after class, and she bumps into someone else over here. She bumps into Teacup, who uh, is a girl that she used to torment in her uh, in her old life, and uh, I think she was part of the uh, the drowning tour, wasn't she? Was she at the? She, was she I, in the water? I, it sounds like she was there. She saw it happen. Also, you know, these are all important, I guess people that saw the uh saw what went yeah, down yeah. yeah and uh she's not too pleased to see uh her friend her 
her old uh, nemesis, friend, uh, acquaintance. Holly, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, she's, uh, I guess, uh, she kept the library as her own uh, fortress of solitude and was uh, felt that Megan was an interloper showing up here. And, uh, and for some reason, Megan feels, or Loma, Shade, whatever, feels uh, feels an attraction to her, or at least a, a level of comfort that she doesn't have with the other people that she's had run-ins with thus far. Mm-hmm. Which uh, doesn't go too well because Teacup wants nothing to do with her. <laughs> so uh, she, uh, she jams out. And then we meet her uh, new neighbor, who I think we saw briefly in the first issue. Yeah. Well, he was like watching in the window or something. Yeah, that that was like our little hint to him that he that he was going to be there. Also, uh, Shade uses her shade powers in the library, you know, or, or you, uh, you to get rid of these other girls. You see that you got that yes. part, yeah. But uh, yeah, River is the is this new neighbor's name, right? Is that what we're talking about? That's him. Yes. Yeah. And they, yeah, we, we, he's he's hanging out in the library also, so we uh, kind of reconnect with him. We find out that he's willing to sort of like cover for them also and uh you know obviously there's a friendship gonna happen here at trio maybe we'll see how it goes but uh teacup wants nothing to do with shade at the moment she really is just she runs away into uh sort of a psychedelic remembrance of the drowning that happened it's uh again you gotta see it i can't really explain it (laughs) no it's uh, a yeah it's, it's like it's like she touches teacup and goes back to that drowning. I guess it's it's not really a hundred percent clear. <laughs> no, but when you're looking at it, it makes perfect sense somehow. It somehow it does. It's 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 uh it's a truly a narrative thing. Like I mean, what happens is it's I guess she's sort of like remembering that they were in the pool, maybe uh, you know on the same swim team or in the same gym class. And I, my impression is Megan used to. One of the things she would do to tease Teacup is grab her leg under the water, right? I think. I yeah. think, uh, and she's like remembering that, but she's also seeing how the relationship was. It's it's very. Uh, there's a lot of levels to it, I think, um, and it may, and it makes Shade feel badly. You know, you can see when Teacup runs away after that, you can see that Shade is feeling. Um, you know, remorse or something, you know, that she didn't yeah. realize that she had this kind of impact on Teacup. Also, then in the next scene, uh, God, what's his name? I totally forgot it already. River? River is, he picks up a book and he can like see the shade goop on it. He seems to react to it. It seemed like it because he right? like throws it down. He's like, he's like holding it kind of daintily. Yeah, he's holding it like in disgust. Like he can. Like letting like, it all drip off. So, uh, very strange, you know, very, not totally clear, but, you know, intriguing for sure. You know, obviously we're, you know, putting together the building blocks of what's going to be her new school posse. Do you have a school? social circle? Yeah. Did you have a school posse like that when you were in high school? Uh, kinda. It wasn't wasn't this impressive. No, <laughs> you, you, weren't, you weren't shooting uh, shade goo everywhere. No, not no. Not, not not that. No. Um. So, uh, really, from there, more or less, the day sort of continues. She codes with she she copes with having to go to class and uh, learn things about astronomy. And um, end of the day, you know, she's <laughs> she walks home with uh, River. Yeah, because she's she's waiting. It's weird. She she's waiting for her mother to pick her up. She just got out of the hospital, and the mother doesn't show up. Yeah, I think the home life isn't great. 
there's something going with some questionable parenting. You get the impression that, that, that things, you know, the parents can be pretty neglectful, uh, definitely. So yeah, so they, they have to walk home together, and since River lives next door to her, that's very convenient. Uh, on the way home, Shade picks up a television that she brings home to watch, looks like the Honeymooners. It looks yeah. like it, yeah, because I think she, because uh, she said she threw out all of the technology. She tossed out like tablets and cell phones and yeah, it, in the first it. issue because yeah, she thought it was useless because it looked like a bunch of you know toys. Which when you get yeah. down to it, that's what it is, folks. They you are. know, <laughs> you're not really getting you know, considering that's not really improving anyone's lives measurably. It's just sort of giving us more opportunity to send pictures of our dicks around. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's so she's gonna do the old like uh, you know. Martian Manhunter, Alf. She's gonna, she's gonna learn about human culture from television, which yes. is probably the best way to do it if you had to do it anyway. <laughs> and uh, it kind of just, that's it, you know? It's, it was her first day at school and it didn't go great, kind of like a lot of us, except it went worse than a lot of us because she had to like uh, cope with the fact that all these people remembered her and she didn't choose to remember a ding dong thing about her life before this, so. Um, but still things are very nebulous, you know, like, what are her powers exactly? What's going on? Is it is, is like uh, are the psychedelic things? Can only she see them, or can other people see them sometimes, or certain people can see them? We don't really know. I don't think uh, not a hundred percent clear to me. But I really am enjoying the heck out of it, and it really makes me want to know more and more uh, sure. about this. You know, to be honest, I feel the same way as you that we could have cut out the alien stuff, but. It's obviously necessary, but I, I could have just watched a full day of her doing a Saved by the Bell day that's kind of a, day that's at kind school. Of why I think it's it, it dragged a bit for me because I was so invested in in just her day. Yeah. And it felt like you know we were we were robbing pages of what I wanted to see to do something that's necessary, but that I didn't necessarily want to see just yet. That's exactly yeah. I mean, like I feel like I wish I'd gotten four more pages of her day at school, maybe one more, one or two more maybe classes. Maybe one more run in or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, uh, but you know that they, you get what you get. You don't get upset, I guess. You know, and I, I, hope, I hope they have a plan. Um, I'm also noticing in uh, second to last panel in the book in Shade's room, the boxes, the boxes. Yeah, New yep. Year's got that. Three sixteen, Sadie Hawkins, and then one about the teacup. teacup. So well, who knows what the heck so all that's about? I, I have a feeling there's not a lot of wasted stuff. No, every, you know, I think everything has meaning in this. Everything so has meaning, even like the weird hallucinations and uh, yeah, things. everything's gonna come together. So uh, yeah, I don't know if we're all, if we're gonna fully comprehend it, but we're gonna all learn about this together. Um, so I liked it. What score did you give it, Chris? I gave it a eight point. I wanted to give it an eight point two five, but I didn't know if we did the uh, if we went into the hundreds. So oh I, sure, why not? I did uh, eight point three. But I liked it better than the first issue, or at least I had more faith in it after than after the first issue. While I did like that, I liked this one more. Yeah. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, looking forward to this coming coming out, and uh, eventually, if I, if you know, if we <laughs> if I get mono and break a leg, I'd like to reread this in its you know entirety for the first you know story, just to see where everything goes and see if I missed anything the first time through. It seems like. This uh, story would lend itself to that kind of a reread. This might be a trade weight special. Uh, all told, obviously, you, there's something you never know until you get to the, uh, you know, to the end. To the end. Too late. Yeah. But it, this this could very well be one of these things that's going to read awesome as a trade. 
it's not reading yeah. poorly as a comic, but you know, you're right. As a monthly, I'm sort of like hazy on what happened in the last issue. Yeah, uh, I had to I had to flip through the uh, the first issue again to uh, just because I, I I'm like, oh, is that the neighbor? Oh, okay, it's the neighbor. Okay, and you know, I was trying to make sure that I wasn't missing anything because with with a a book that is so overtly symbol uh, symbol is the mm-hmm. uh, that so let's I didn't say symbolic. There's, there's, there's there you more. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to miss out, and I also didn't want to. Uh, if I didn't get something, or if I forgot something, I didn't want that to be an indictment on the story. Yeah, obviously. So I, I wanted to make sure that I had my ducks in a row before I put pen to or digital pen to digital paper and uh, and gave this a grade. And, and, that, and that's one thing, except for a few small things like we're not sure about how long she's been out of the hospital. And, you know, we're not positive about who was there at the drowning, although I think we're not supposed to know all those facts yet about that. Yeah, a lot I of think, that's being kept nebulous on purpose. I, I think that's going to reveal itself. But, you know, this 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 is still a fairly straightforward, relatively speaking, narrative from the last book. You know, she was in a coma. She got her weird madness powers. Now she's back home and it's time to uh, get back to school, church and, you know, after school yeah. clubs. I think I would have given this one an eight, although I definitely... Uh, it's one of these things right now where I'm vacillating between 8 and 8.5, but mm. I really enjoy it and uh, just going to hold on to read the next one. Can't, can't wait to see what's going to happen. I'm, I'm wondering if there is any of Megan left inside of her. That's uh, that's that's what really stuck out to me do, throughout this was because it, it, it is it is a very uh, it's like she was all alone but surrounded by people. It was a odd solitude. Like you said, it was very melancholy. It was you know, just uh, it was sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because her mother, regardless of whether or not she's a decent mother or a decent parent, you know, she's got a stranger in the house, and uh, she's get, the one thing that actually got to me the most, and I put this in the review, was the dog. The dog is very, very attentive to her. Yeah, and, and, she, uh, and she's like not even really paying attention. You know, she's fairly indifferent, but it's a uh, like you gotta wonder, like, does the dog know? Because <laughs> You know, in in fiction, or even you know, in skepticism, people think that uh, dogs can sense things. Of course, yeah. Uh, so you gotta wonder if that's gonna be something uh, that you know raises its head later. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is a corgi, and they are they are typically uh, what we would call cuddle sluts. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's that. I think you definitely have hit. Like I say, this is a, this is something you want to scrutinize every bit of it will have some kind of meaning i think and, and is bringing us to some sort of a conflict with these yeah. you know aliens that want the uh, m vest back but yeah, it lends itself to annotation probably I, I wouldn't be surprised if sometime in the future there is an annotation of this it, it's definitely not the kind of thing you know a lot of times you read comic books and you know what's going to happen and you yeah. kind of let it happen i can't say that here i don't really know so we go so we're flying blind and uh hope you guys like are enjoying it, it. <laughs> we like it that that's a positive thing next week we'll be back with i think doom patrol i'm not sure but, I think Doom Patrol's next, yeah. But from here on out, we are, uh, I think we're going to be doing Young Animal uh, every Just week. Just about every week, yeah. So uh, we look forward to speaking with you guys again. And uh, you got anything else for them, Chris? Nope, that'll that'll do me. Uh, there was a backup to this. Yeah. That I, I didn't I didn't really get into. but uh, <laughs> Is that the, uh, that's the... Like the old school looking silver age thing is that? Oh no, that's that's Oops. what this is. Yeah, this is the, the uh, yeah, this is weird. Like a weird. 
I didn't really know what to make of this thing. Yeah, it looks like something that like. I, I, I'm one of like the five people that still buy Savage Dragon every month. Uh-huh. And uh, at the end of that, there's always like you know extra you know quote unquote funny book fun or whatever. And it's just like these weird little stories, and that don't mean anything, and they don't continue usually. It just reminded me of something like that. I mean, that's what it could be. I, I don't see how this ties into Shade the Changing Girl. And they did, they did uh-huh. have the same thing at the end of Cave Carson too. Yeah, had a really cool like. Silver Age looked like tempera paints on, uh, you know, cardboard or something. It was a really weird-looking, unique-looking piece of artwork, but it didn't seem to have any relevance to the main book. And it's only three pages, so I wouldn't buy the book for this backup. No. Nor would I tell you to uh, not to get it because of it. <laughs> exactly. It's it's it looks it's perfectly fun. It looks like some sort of a weird superhero quick adventure against monsters, uh, dinosaur, and some fire yeah. breathing bat or something. And uh, a weird girl with uh, her eyes arranged uh, vertically. So yes, there's that too, <laughs> folks. So there you go. That's your bonus comic, and uh, I think we pretty much have uh, gone through this in a clunky way, but maybe we'll get better at it as time goes on. But until next time, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. The work that body just get body, a work that body to the beat. So the work that body just get body, a work that body like a tree. When the work that body and just get body, you get on up and you move. Sometimes it's old and it's poopy blow, so get on up and go. So get up, get up, get up, get up. Get up and go to school. You gotta get up, get up, get up, get up, get up and go to school. Well, you gotta go to school, learn all you can if you wanna be the president of the planet. So get up. Once in every lifetime, comes a love like this. Well, why need to get Welcome back. This is the Young Animal segment of the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. As always, I got Chris here, of course. How you doing? How's it going, Chris? How are, you? are you feeling very young this week or more animalistic? I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah, you're kind of a uh, middle aged, middle aged uh, beastly. I don't know what to call it. Uh, we had a brand new Young Animal book this week. Very exciting stuff. Uh, what, what was that one? That is Mother Panic, uh, number one. Written by Jody Hauser with art by Tommy Lee Edwards. Uh, meet Violet Page, dilettante by day, vigilante by night. <laughs> In this initial offering, the curtain is pulled back ever so slightly to introduce the reader to this broken young woman. Her mother has some troubles. Her father vanished or died during a hunting trip. Mm-hmm. Is this why she dons the monochrome identity of Mother Panic? Witness churlishness, unpleasantness, violence, and works of art that could shake one's very soul. And did we forget to mention, she's operating in the city of the bat. Yeah, that's the big hook here, is that this book is, I guess, the most directly connected to the DCU proper. Although I don't expect it to inform the Batman titles or the the other way around. But, you know, uh, as we'll talk about, Batman does have his cameo, and I have a feeling... He will be making such a cameo <laughs> in <laughs> and, uh, every or nearly think, every issue. And isn't the uh, the bat signals on the cover, right? 
Is it? Let me take a look. Uh, oh yeah, there it is. Yep, yeah. bat signals right there, including a picture of uh, Mother Panic and and uh, I guess her, uh, her alter ego. Alter ego Violet Page is also there, and a deer head, which we know is is something in the book. So I guess we'll just jump right in and start start yapping about it. Yeah. Yeah, so we, uh, we meet Violet as she returns home to Gotham City after having what is described as major surgery. We don't know, we don't know what, <laughs> we yeah. don't know how, but, uh, you know, she's with a, she's with a doctor who's uh, telling her to take it easy. And, and, and injecting her with some kind of medicine. Uh, yeah, like like she's, that's a Pam Pam or something, or something. Still under some kind of care. I also like that she is flying in like a, uh, looks like a solid gold Cessna. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, jeez. Uh, <laughs> And I think uh, they, they this scene was kind of drawing parallels to the opening of Year One, Batman Year One. Oh, yeah? Where Bruce returns to Gotham and right, talks right. about how kind of cruddy it is. That's true. I, I didn't even think of that. But, yeah, he's coming in by plane while Gordon yeah. comes in by train, yeah. Yeah, and then Violet's talking about how crappy the city is and how it's a wonder nobody's burnt it to the ground just yet. Yeah. Uh, she gets off the plane, and she's met by uh, fans and onlookers, uh which is it's she's got a weird uh, a weird way she deals with them some of them she seems to appreciate she even like poses in a picture uh-huh. uh, with one and then uh then the other one she just flips them off well they wanted to comment on the fact that she was seen at view with, with woman, shauna yeah. schultz or something but yes uh i i gotta say what one little tiny thing though i do like the fact that um her fans took pictures of her as a selfie yeah. Which, which I feel like is definitely in tune with, like, no one takes a picture of a person anymore. It's always you with a person, you know? It's, it's, person, it's, always, it's us. always the top of your head and the yeah, person behind and you. whatever it was behind you. Or like, no, one, no one just takes a picture of... You know, when I go on vacation, my wife gets mad because I never take pictures of us. It's always... Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big architecture fan. It's always buildings. But, like, even, even then you see it online. Like, it's always, like, people in front of Leaning Tower or Pisa or people in front of you know what i mean that's my my smiling fucking face in front of the parliament anyway yeah you take my picture then i'll take yours yeah exactly <laughs> well uh, she's home uh, in gotham to uh, she's attending a charity gala or something or another right yeah it seems that way some and, kind of uh, gala it, it's it's not a welcome home party it's some some sort no, of no certainly event, not yeah. no and uh, as she's uh, as she's walking in we go into flashback mode and uh, we find that uh, Violet, as a younger girl, was uh, going to accompany her father on a hunting trip. Uh, before they left, uh, there was comments about her mother maybe not remembering her this day. Uh, so it, there's potential for dementia or schizophrenia in her mother. Uh, we do see a little bit of that on display. Where uh, she talk, What does she talk about? Like the horses came or something, right? Yeah, what she's well, she's saying they don't have tongues. How how do they know my name? You you know, she's just uh, babbling a lot of yeah nonsense right here. But it, maybe it'll all be important later on. I'm sure. Here's hoping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> after she gets in there, we uh, we pop over to uh, meet an older fella who's uh, making out with his bodyguard, <laughs> and uh, I think he is right. Yeah, it looks like it. Looks like, it absolutely looks like it. Yeah. And uh, then he decides to show him a work of art that he had commissioned. Uh, it's kept within a safe, probably to limit the amount of eyes that can gaze upon it. Uh, well, we don't even get a good look at it, but no. the bodyguard gets an eye full. We and, see like the uh, back of a throne or something, some kind of yeah, ornate like, chair. I'm like, he's showing him a chair. Yeah. But uh, he gets an eye full and he gets freaked out. We'll learn more about that later, though. Don't 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 worry. It's not just a chair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and. Uh, we go back to Violet, where she is having an unpleasant time being unpleasant at a charity event. And uh, we have another flashback, where Violet and her father are hunting. 
and uh, Violet is berated by her father uh, because she is uncomfortable taking the killing shot on a deer. Uh, back in the present, uh, Paige is, uh, is approached at the bar by a reporter looking to write about the mysterious death of her father. Because uh, the 15th anniversary is soon approaching, which probably places, uh, which probably puts Violet at what, like 25-ish. I would think that somewhere. I, I, I was thinking 25 to 30, and 30 yeah. probably be too old, but yeah, somewhere like that. And uh, while he's talking to her, you know, she chases him off, and uh, all the while she's watching the uh, this art collector guy who uh, showed his bodyguard the work of art, and. Uh, then we join their scene where the traumatized bodyguard attempts to flee the event, uh, runs into a crew of, uh, well, I guess, reverse bouncers. They won't let him out. Yeah, I uh, guess so. <laughs> basically, looks like, basically looks like a bunch of guys from Goodfellas plus plus an Asian guy. Why not? Yes, why not? Throw him in there. we gotta, we got to be all inclusive. <laughs> and uh, they're not too keen on him leaving, uh, especially after he saw what he did. We don't know what it is, but mm. they do say that it's something that he wasn't ready for or he shouldn't have seen. So they take him out back to rough him up or blow his brains out, whichever way. Um, Mother Panic arrives on the scene, saves the bodyguard, who uh, we find out his name is Dominic. It's a uh, pretty brutal and violent fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's weird is we get some odd imagery during it, like in the in like the foreground. Yeah, uh, like yeah, she she throws a guy against the wall, and there's a rose with an eyeball in it. Yeah, and it's bleeding. Uh, yeah. Then she punches a guy, and there's a rabbit in an upended skull. Yep. Um, another one later on is a birthday cake. I, I can only hope this something will be revealed about that <laughs> later. I, I don't think it was just the artist was like, gee, I'd like to draw a birthday cake right here. It's, uh, <laughs> and it's a bleeding birthday cake. Yeah, or, or the or the, the candles oh, the are melting to a r- amazing amount. But yeah, so it's, it's looking, everything, all those images look somewhat kind of unsettling and creepy. So yeah. uh, we'll find out. And we get like a dead swan with arrows sticking right, out of it. Yeah. And uh, snake the eating snake a mouse over here, yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully some of that will pay off. I don't know if it was just there for artistic uh, whatevers, but yeah, hopefully I, I, I don't think so, but I have been wrong many times before. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Batman arrives on the scene just a bit too late to yeah. really uh, take care of this. He literally just she he literally just comes in though and says hmm that's it there's, there's your gratuitous Batman cameo folks he earned his pay for this <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, we got uh, Violet and Dominic uh, re- returning to her home maybe by yeah. way of her floating her flying motorcycle thing I think that's on the cover as well is it oh yeah you can yeah you can, you can kind of see it this thing yeah. sort of reminded me and it's probably because of the white suit. Uh, even mm. though it's very different, but it reminded me kind of a Moon Knight. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. You know, Moon Knight it kind of has a hang gliding thing, but something about this, like, I, I just got the same kind of vibe of, like, gliding through the air. I don't know. No, Whatever. I'm, I'm with you there, for sure. Yeah. Uh, they get there, and they're greeted by the sound of her mother singing uh, inside this uh, apartment. Her mom is standing in it like a, it's like a merry-go-round or gazebo. Yeah, it's like some sort of, a gaz- of a, Oh yeah, but there there is a horse in there. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, so. there's a merry-go-round horse, and then there's like foliage around him, and these forest critters with uh like big Disney eyes. Yeah, really weird. Yeah, so uh, don't know where that's going, but that was that was pretty neat. Um, we uh, go back to the party and we meet the uh, art connoisseur again. His name is Mr. Hemsley. Uh, he knows that he kind of screwed up by showing his bodyguard the artwork. Uh, he asks, uh, I'm not sure if it's the same well-dressed guys or some other well-dressed guys. It's hard to tell, asks, yeah. Yeah, the, the yard is a little iffy uh, is here and again. 
Um, he asks if he can speak to her to explain his lapse in judgment. Suddenly, he opens this circular door. It looks like a pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> leads into a mass of nothing. Uh, he steps on through and finds himself inside the artist studio, which is, uh, again, it's like a pocket of just nothingness with a creepy, porous wall. Uh, the artist has a man hanging upside down by his feet and is holding a bloody knife because she paints with blood, you see. Mm. Yes. And that's not terribly original, but no. there you go. <laughs> And uh, we we close this issue with uh, Mother Panic having uh, Dom handcuffed to the toilet, and he, she demands he tell her what Hemsley is up to. Yep, and then it's to be continued. Then there is a uh, backup, which you said, and I think you could be right, kind of as a callback to the long Halloween. It, yeah. Uh, it's sort of structured that way, but it's sort of unclear. Kind of like all the backups and all these young animals. It doesn't seem to relate directly to the story, although... This one has to do with Batman, but uh, it looks, I have no, it's, yeah, it's it three pages, with, uh, and I'm cool with it. I mean, it's fine. Because yeah. it ends with the guy saying Thanksgiving. Yeah. And Because uh, in the long Halloween, if, if folks didn't know, it's about a killer named Holiday who, who would strike who on different murders holidays. on holidays, and they had left, yeah. like, little trinkets for every holiday. Yeah. And everybody thought it was going to be uh, Julius Day, the calendar man, but it... It wasn't him. Yeah, we won't reveal the results. We won't tell you who results. it is. You have to go get that yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it could be. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe this is one of these things, as these backups accumulate, they will paint a bigger picture. But as, as far yeah, as it is here, there's, not a, there's a murder, and there's a little bit of Batman content, and it's unclear what it all means. But yes. uh, this is just the first issue. Um, and you and I were not super keen on it. No. Um, no, definitely of all better. the of all the young animal books, this was the least good. This was the weakest. This yeah. was the weakest one. Um, I, I'll, I'll say, you know, and, and, and we did talk about this before, but my problem was for a first issue of a brand new character, the art is a little too uh, experimental. Let's say it's, mm. it's not bad. It's not bad no. art. I think it's very good noir style art. Very heavy with its lines. Very. Uh, you know, good spotted blacks and everything. I don't think there's anything wrong with the technical, you know, anatomy and movement aspects of it. But for introducing a bunch of new concepts and characters, um, like, for example, we're not sure if the guys that talked to uh, Mr. Helmsley later were the same guys that same guys, beat yeah. up his bodyguard. It's, it's kind of unclear, you know, um, some of the stuff going on in the book just isn't totally clear to me, and I think part of that is due to the artwork. It may be something we get used to uh, over time, hmm. but as it is for a first issue, I think it could have been expressed a little bit more plainly. Yeah, I think uh, I think it, uh, unless I'm just too dense to <laughs> to pick up on it, and I, yeah. I, I don't think I am. Well, I think this is, I think this is your third comic, right? So you're, you're getting there. I, I think, yeah, this is the third one I've ever read. <laughs> I think you're starting but, uh, to pick it up now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, the rebirth just pulled me in. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I was thinking, you know, it wasn't bad to look at. You know, I've, I'm fairly familiar with Tommy Lee Edwards and uh, never really had a problem with him. Uh, I, I totally get where you're coming from, though. It is, we don't, it, the story is so obtuse that having obtuse art, only makes it more so. That's what I mean. Sense. I mean, I, I definitely don't want to denigrate the art because I, I do like it. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, he's great. But but just for something brand new, you know, mm. uh, you know, uh, well, just to talk about another young animal book like Cave Carson has what I might call a 
different art style, something like yes. you, you might expect stylized. less. Yeah. yeah, very stylized. But in that, we weren't being, even though we weren't familiar with Cape Carson, we weren't being introduced to a whole bunch of new characters and concepts that were hard yeah. to get across, you know? Uh, whereas this, this anyway, maybe, again, maybe I'm maybe I'm a little dense, but I, uh, mm-hmm. I just found, like I felt like if it had more standard flat art, Maybe maybe it would have read better or read clearer, but who, who knows? Maybe they, part of a look. And I do I do like that there is a lot of mystery set up here. I mean, yeah. we don't know what happened to her father. We don't know why she wears the costume that she does. I'm sure eventually we're gonna have the heart to heart talk between her and Batman. So that'll that'll that's more than likely on the horizon at some yeah. point. I think issue three or four, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you think that long from now? Well, you know, there might be. Uh, he'll be in. He'll be in every issue. He'll we'll probably. We'll issue. probably see him eating a donut next issue. Just uh... <laughs> going. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he'll just be going. Mm. That's right. <laughs> I love the donut crullers. <laughs> um, my my main problem here is, and and it might be, it might be the feelings I'm supposed to have, but I could not stand this character. Yeah. But I think that might be the point. So I mean, it's it's like a plus and a minus because it is setting something up. But I mean, I I, I can't have any uh, any kind of empathy for her. Um, she's uh, just not she's she's very unpleasant. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, this isn't as as we're getting it now. She's not an antihero. She's just a mean uh, killer, you know, or whatever, just or an asshole. just an <laughs> asshole. She's just like someone waiting into should beating the shit out of people. She quote-unquote rescues the bodyguard but you know i don't it doesn't yeah. seem the way she seemed to have her own agenda for that anyway to to, to get some yeah, uh it was a means to an end yeah so so as it as it's laid out now this is this is i wouldn't even call this person a vigilante it's she's just no. like a criminal just to run around beating up people but i will see what we need to see later is if there's some kind of redemption or there's a overarching reason and i, I it definitely seems to be that there is a reason so but as as we get in this issue, I agree with you. She's just a not likable person. She's a, she's an asshole. And I think so. the most damning thing about this book is that it came out last. Yeah. Because the other three young animal books kind of set the bar. And uh, I mean, Doom Patrol is phenomenal. Shade the Changing Girl is insane, but yeah, yeah but it's captivating. Really good, yeah. You know, Cave Carson is it's it, it's it's like a different flavor of Kool Aid. You know, it's yep. it's it's not bad at all. And then this is just, just comes off weak. You know, in some ways, uh, what we're seeing right now, there's no reason this couldn't be a DC book. You know, no, this except, except it that she said F Batman. That's right. I think there is some there is some S words in there too. You know, but but yeah. beyond that, and and the way they write DC comics now, just throw stars on it, you're fine. There you go. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> as, as we're seeing now, there's nothing so outrageous in this. This couldn't just be a DC book, and you know, and it doesn't have to be, obviously. But I guess. We just have come to expect a certain separateness from a yeah, young animal. Because yeah. uh, I mean, I, I mentioned in my review that uh, you know we had a different vigilante in Gotham City ten years ago. That was Simon Dark, who uh, yeah. never really ran into Batman. You know, we didn't have the Batman cameos. I think that was kind of the mandate for the book, at least as long as I read it, that this is a guy in Gotham, but you're not seeing Batman here. But right. at the same time, it was still a, it wasn't a Vertigo book. It was a DC Universe book. Hmm. That's uh, I mean that's that's somewhat like Gotham Central too. You saw a little bit of Batman, yeah. but it wasn't about Batman, and any often and it, was like sort of like a, a glimpse. Uh, yeah, you'd see his shadow. You see, uh, you see like a like a breeze coming in a window or something. Yeah, so it's um, 
you know, this concept of, you know, what else is happening in Gotham City when Batman is, is napping, I guess, has been yeah. explored before. But, uh, I, you know, the, as far as I'm concerned, you know, this is, again, the first issue. It, it could go as high as uh, the greatest book we ever read or it could sure. go to, you know, straight to the garbage bin as, from here. But what did you what did you think of the first issue score wise? I, I gave it a I teed it between a six five and a seven. I think I'm gonna give it a, uh, an an optimistic six five because I'm I'm coming back for the next issue. Even yeah. even if I wasn't even if we weren't reviewing it here on the site, I'd come back for it. Yeah. The, the issue didn't turn me off that much. I, I would agree with you totally. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Where I'm sort of vacillating between a six five and a seven. I'll give it a very you know, strong six five. Like you say, there's plenty of mystery here, and I am interested yeah. to know where it goes. Um, but I just feel like there are technical aspects of this book that could have been a little better, yeah. and uh, I just hope that the character shapes up into something that I don't necessarily have to, you know, love her, but at least understand her motivations and want to read about it. You know, instead of Absolutely. just like, what well, is she? She's her. But but again, there's got There's definitely more to it. The mother is obviously a big part of this. And uh, whatever her surgery was, which may have been to give her, you know, these mother panic abilities. But um, that's that. So, yes. we, so we, you know, definitely recommend it uh, for next time. And we will be talking about it whenever the heck that comes out. But there was another Young Animal book this uh, week, which was is definitely my favorite out of the batch. And probably, probably my, my favorite or definitely one of my top favorite comics right now that was... Doom Patrol number three, written by Gerard Way, art by Nick Darrington, Tamara Bonvillain. Special thanks to Marissa Louise. Casey Brinks gets a tour of Danny Land from Danny himself. A few things are cleared up for the reader, but Casey either can't or won't accept the fact that she's a Golden Age comic book character come to life. Hopefully she'll snap out of it before the bad guys from Tron send her to the Master Control program or whatever. Also in this issue, Larry Trainer has the weirdest nipples. He needs a shirt. He oh. definitely does. That, you know, that's... We'll, what's we'll talk what's about that a phobia? What's that phobia of holes? Like that trichophobia? Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Oh. It, it kind of oh, got... It's, it's something about that really definitely got me in my, uh, you know, place that I didn't expect to. I was really grossed yeah. out by it. And yeah. uh, I was like, yeesh. But uh, it, it's definitely cool. Uh, we'll just leap right in. If you remember last issue, Casey Brink went into the back of her ambulance and found herself... Uh, in a cabaret lounge with Flex Mentolo, and he brought her to Danny Land, which is sort of a uh, Danny the Street, which became Danny the World, and then Danny the Brick, and Danny the Bungalow is now Danny the Amusement Park. Um, and it looks like the Morrison Case era of Danny the Street, more or less, but sort of with a big castle on it. Right? Would you yeah. agree with that? I mean, it's got, you know, the thing about Danny, if people aren't familiar, is that he's a transvestite. So, yeah, he's a transvestite street. Exactly. So, but so there's a lot of quote unquote manly stores. You know, there's a gun store, there's an army navy store, but they all kind of have a flair to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They all kind of have like a boisterousness, and you know, I love it. I, I love to see that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I like to see that they included that part of his character and actually got his voice very well. I thought. Um, so while they're walking through, we get uh, quite a bit of the Morrison Case era backstory, and now I am just firmly convinced this is essentially. A continuation of oh, that. Oh yeah, era, they mentioned you know? Oolong Island. This is definitely a continuation. They, I mean, yeah, they, incarnation. They, they 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 definitely do. I mean, this is this is definitely just just sweeping it all, uh, gathering it all up for redistribution. Yep. Let's say, uh, you know, and it, it's taking from a lot of eras, but definitely taking heavily from that Morrison era. Oh. Uh, 
So, but uh, Flex Mensal tells her that the itty bitty bonsai beach ride will explain everything, and it's sort of like a, I guess, a tunnel yeah, love a type situation. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it turns out that way, but yeah, she gets into a little uh, boat ride and stuff. Then we go back to Casey Brink and Terry Nunn's apartment. We find where Larry is in a uh, bathroom with Cliff. And Larry's got like three holes in his chest, the, right above his nipples. And by manipulating his hands, he can make the holes sort of uh, effuse a putty. I, I, it's hard to really say what it is, some sort of a viscous black material. I thought it was the negative, uh, the negative energy, but it isn't. It, <laughs> is it, it? It, it might be related to Residual? that. Residual? I don't know. It, you know, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to give away too much of what we're going to say, although I still am not going to be able to explain it fully. But, <laughs> but whatever, you know, he, he got these powers through a thing we're going to talk about in a minute. And so whatever that is, it might be related to the negative energy, but the way it's manifesting is more like a goop. You know, it's just something goopy and like very viscous about it. Yeah, it's it's gross. And and uh, you were talking about you know the the, the fear of holes phobia. It, yeah. It kind of hit me in a phobia I didn't know I had. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, I didn't, I didn't know I'd find that so gross, but I found it a little bit gross. He seems to be able to manipulate it with his hand um, mm. by making different shapes. Uh, yeah, he he references Oolong Island here and it tells a story of like what happened to him after. Uh, Doom Patrol broke up last time, which was, as I recall, Dan DiDio canceled it, was how they ended the last run of Doom Patrol. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and literally, they referenced that in the book. Ambush Bug is like, what's a DiDio? I love what's it. What's a DiDio? <laughs> um, so anyway, he explains he was standing on the beach at Oolong Island, and he got teleported somewhere. Uh, it doesn't say alien, it possibly, but he teleported somewhere. It looks like a big futuristic lecture hall with no one in it, and he's in some sort of a large jar. Uh... In a, in a jar next to him is a humanoid uh, monster? Alien? I don't know mm. what it is, really. Uh, his head sort of looks like, uh, what the hell is that, that cereal with that square? You know what I'm talking about? Cracklin' Oat Bran? That's what, that's what his head reminds me of. Cracklin' <laughs> Oat Bran. <laughs> um, Odd-looking guy, and he's got three holes in his chest also, but they're both in separate jars. The, the alien thing uh, waves at him when he was there. And then someone somewhere throws a switch, and this uh, they've also got these things attached to their junk. Yes. You notice that? Uh, so whatever it is, <laughs> it kind of takes their essences out from them and seems to at least start to create some sort of other being in between them. This is like such a visual page. Am I explaining it terribly here, Chris? No, no, this is this is uh, as well as I'd be able to do it. Yeah, it's like some sort of scientific experiment happening and drawing the, uh, you know, junk energy from uh, Larry and this other creature and creating something in the middle and I think it's possible that that's the thing that we're seeing as Larry anyway but that's that's jumping ahead into yes. hypotheticals so uh, whatever it is um, Larry says he went to sleep he didn't remember how long he didn't even dream and he woke up right here on earth and he didn't really know who he was we saw that a couple of issues ago when he was smashing uh, those Russian nesting dolls and stuff uh, Terry Nunn comes home with mushroom pizza, and uh, it's funny, it looks like she's, does she deliver pizza now? I thought she was doing singing telegrams. And she just does whatever's door to door. Maybe. The, uh, she's the brush man. Hey, this is also modern America, she's got it, maybe she has more than one job, you know what I mean? She it's might. Not, it's not easy to make it in this world, so maybe she's uh, pizza by day, telegrams by night, and uh, she also shovels snow in the winter, but. Uh, I think so. Um. Or maybe she was just that, just to get rid of Casey's old roommate in the first issue. But uh, anyway, she, she actually, to be honest, she seems to work for Pyramid. Uh, 
you know, distributors, right? From Watchmen, yeah. she's got she's got like a patch with a with a yeah. uh, triangle on it, but it's still if you can't read it, you don't know what it is. So anyway, she's wearing a weird uniform, um, and she sort of you know does her Terry Nunn thing and uh, acts non you know not very stunned by the fact that her apartment has been destroyed and there were several dead ruby skinned monsters sitting around uh she she sees like a big hole in the wall and she's like hey we got a new window yeah she's like oh you need fresh (laughs) air well that's good we got a brand new window that's good have you have you seen the cat that's really her thing uh then then a version of the alien that we saw sitting next to larry in the jar but it's obviously the negative spirit version of that alien uh, if you know what the negative spirit looks like, it's basically a black figure with like kind of crackling energy coming off of it, and that's what this is. Doesn't have the three-hole thing in its chest anymore, but uh, tells Larry that you've got to come to negative space because uh, it's time. You got to do your thing. Mm-hmm. Now we switch over to the uh, place where the ambulance, where Casey's ambulance that we now know is actually Danny Land in ambulance form. Uh, is being kept in an underground parking lot and these ruby skin guys that we saw before uh, we saw them since the first issue they run the interstellar fast food franchise goob foobers and they show up with hammers and uh, bats and we learned that they're called the vectra i don't think they mentioned that before do you remember that at all Chris? i don't i think this is the first we're hearing of it i went back a little bit i couldn't find where they they named them i've just been calling them either the guys from tron or uh, yeah. ruby skin <laughs> guys but yeah they're called the vectra and uh so they start smashing the crap out of this ambulance. Um, and meanwhile, in Danny Land, Casey's on the itty-bitty Bonzi beach ride. She decides to uh, jump out of it. In the background, we see cameos, sort of like animatronic representations of yeah. uh, Niles Calder. We got Crazy Jane. We got Cliff. We got Larry Trainer. We got, uh, what's her name? Dorothy, Dorothy Spinner. Spinner. Uh, well, I, I don't think we've seen since the Arcudi run. I don't um, think she's been on panel since Arcudi. Was I she believe... in the clock and uh, Giffen run? I'm trying to think if she definitely wasn't in Burns' run. No, I, absolutely. I, not. I don't think she was in Clark and Giffen's run. I, I can't remember. And if because she, if... she dies in the Arcudi run, yeah, or she's in a coma. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. that never stopped anyone from showing up in a comic. This again. is but, true. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think technically doesn't she, doesn't she sort of die in a. Uh... At the end of at the uh, end of the Pollock run, the Pollock run too, but she's able yeah. to make a you know. But anyway, um, and also yeah, East Point. This might be here. well. That's the thing is she sort of seems to be going through a history of the various yeah. iterations of Doom Patrol. There's a you see a Beast Boy there. You also see like the first Larry Trainer from uh, Drake's run. You see Rita there. She's just see her legs. She's she's giant. So giant. Um, she seems to be getting a kind of a Guns primer on uh, yeah. on all of the Doom Patrol, all the iterations, and they're singing It's a Doomed World After All, which I think is pretty funny. That's great. She but must not have gotten the who's who in the DC Universe. Probably funny. not. I bet she did it. That's why. They were like, we got to bring you up to speed. You know, you know Wikipedia either? All right, we'll tell you what happened. Uh, but I would have told her, just listen to the Cosmic Treadmill. We'll get to it. Anyway, um, but anyway, she steps off through this visual tour. So... Uh, and kind of walks through, I guess, the background of it. And so this is... Uh, basically a brush up on the entire Morrison case run of Doom Patrol. You know, this is really, uh, really just, if you didn't read that, this will kind of bring you, at least in some of the concepts and themes, it won't tell you what happened, but I have a feeling these are all going to become important later. That's why we're seeing 
characters like the Scissor Men is in the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Painting That Ate Paris, which is one of the greatest stories. I, oh, lo- I love that story. Uh, Candlemaker, which is also a very great got, one. That, that wrapped up Morrison's run. Yeah, it then kind of scared the uh, crap out of me. I, and in the yeah. <laughs> in the panel with the Painting That Ate Paris is. Uh, the uh, Brotherhood of Dada, which was the uh, Brotherhood of Evil, changed by Mr. Nobody. You gotta read it to believe it. They oh, all seem to great. be sort of like toy versions of that too, right? They're like, it yeah. looks like uh, the characters are like, I don't know, Fisher Price characters. But anyway, now, this page is like one of my favorite single pages that's been published in a long time. I Just know for, it really it, it's, is. It's total fan service, but yeah. it's 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 real good. It's it's really well done, and it's like it's sort of like I don't know. You made an amusement park ride out of the Morrison case, sort of Doom Patrol, and yep. looks something like this. Um, she eventually finds herself at the uh, at a comic book shop. Uh, the, the entrance. This is another Morrison case thing, isn't it? Isn't this from a, this is a Scissorman thing? The eyeballs and the crossword puzzles. Yes, this reminded yes. me of something, but I couldn't remember exactly what it was from. Uh, anyway, but she goes through a very weird door that actually is a mouth um, and finds herself in uh, Danny Land's comic book store called Danny's Danny Books Books and Games. Um, and in there, this is like my heaven because there's so much comic book parody shit. I love it. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I, can, I can really go on and on. I, I just wrote down a couple of them. There's a Dungeons and Danny game. <laughs> which I'd love to play. Uh, I love this 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 poster. So she's going, she's looking through a comic book box, and next to her is Spider Dan. <laughs> and it's a riff on the McFarland. Yep. Uh, Spider. It's so funny. It's it's oh, it's, it's the it's the multi it's like the spider arm multi arm spider yep. thing. It's so it's so good, and it's like. You know, it's stupid. Like, I, you know, there's nothing behind it, but I'd love to kind of go into that more. Like, what's in a yeah. Spider Dan comic, you know? <laughs> uh, the Uncanny Danny, which I think was a, was a great Dan. name. <laughs> so uh, I had a good time with that. She takes out a, a from, you know, randomly out of the uh, one of the comic boxes, she takes out a copy of Danny Comics. And the cover of it is reminiscent of Detective Comics number one from March 1937. If you match them up, you'll see that that one actually had the face of Who a very racist uh, <laughs> Chinese wizard or something. But you know they're very similar in coloring, and, and the the logo are very similar. And this begins several pages of comic book parodies that I loved and put this issue over the top for me. I mean, yeah. I could probably have gone through another three pages of it. I I just loved it absolutely, and and the smartness of it is. Uh, Danny is speaking to Casey through the comic, but but we're reading what she reads, you know? Um, So it's a great way to get a lot of exposition out in an interesting way that isn't just talking heads and and word balloons, you know? It's not a lecture. This is something, you know, this is, we're reading a comic book along with Casey, and and it's there that we learn her origin story, that uh, Danny created her. She's a captain of the St. Michael Children Hospital Jamboree Fighter Squadron. Uh, I think that sort of, it sort of takes from a few different Golden Age things, like the Blackhawks and uh, uh, what do we call them? The Newsboy Legion, right? Different things like that. But yeah, definitely a Golden Age type riff. (laughs) I love this this Mm -hmm. image too. Like, there's so much to it because so you see she's she's busting out of a drum which was very common as we know in the in late 30s yeah. and 40s for the great character find of 1940 exactly if robin yeah. can do it so can casey <laughs> and uh so she's got these jets and each jet has like a different identifier one's got mm-hmm. polka dots one's got so it's like you already each of these pilots it implies they each have a personality 
You know, there's yeah. a, there's like a full story in here if you want to extrapolate from a Casey book. Santa is there for whatever reason. Why not? Uh, we'll just throw him in there. Uh, we learn, you know, that that's where she comes from, and that somewhere along the line in D- Danny's many transformations, he went from just aggregating uh, weirdos, which used to be what he did at Danny the Street. He used to kind of get weird people from around the world, and they'd come to live on Danny the Street where they could be accepted. Now he's actually creating people. And with that power, he was able to manifest Casey into an actual person who sort of slipped into our dimension, I suppose, and forgot who she was. And he's been coming after her, uh, trying to remind her that she's very special. She's part of Danny Land. The next page, God, I love this page so much, Chris. It's a... It's incredible. It's a parody of uh, the Crisis on Infinite Earths number seven from October 1985. That was uh, Supergirl's death. And... Mm -hmm. It's it's so like just for example like that was the 50th anniversary as you know of DC and every comic had a big 50 yep. in the corner it was and it said something even the banner said something like you know 50 years or DC comics or something like that they've used that to so that the entire title of this says so i imagine at this point you're having <laughs> some sort of existential crisis and that's to be expected that, that's and this to be expected. this is all in the correct font of that issue is so well done oh, i mean right and, and even and even the stupid thing the, the the thing next to it that would have either had the issue number or i assume this was the comic it says but here's the thing yeah. uh loved it i just loved it uh could oh, have done amazing. with three more pages in this page she also picks up this weird little turquoise and pink uh furby glomer thing i'm not sure what the <laughs> hell the deal with that is but anyway he's he's hanging around now um next page Kind of goes, kind of goes more into explaining, um, you know, the the background of Casey Brink, and it's this awesome, like, right out of Fantastic Four, you know, Kirby Crackle, and uh, just like this super outer space thing. They even kind of bring in Bendy dots to her, to her to an extent to make it look older, and and the background of the page is like cream colored to look like old pulp comics. Like old paper, yeah. So that this, I mean, that concludes our parodies. But I had a ball during these three pages. We also see in this page. That the baby Casey Brink in the page, in the middle of the case, in the Kirby Crackle, is missing her right leg below the knee. Uh, mm-hmm. That becomes important later on. I'm feeling that's an important thing in general. So uh, when she's finished reading it, she notices she has, and I'm not sure what this really was. Is that it? That's a scar on her chin? It's either a scar or a vein. That's <laughs> It, it kind of looks like a vein. That's the thing. Yeah. I wasn't 100% clear. Maybe there's like... A worm in her chin, but something, something mark on her that chin. That would surprise me, yeah. Some, yeah, some mark appears on her chin, and she says, "Screw this noise! I'm not. I don't want to do this." She's ready to storm out. On her way out, the pink thing is now there, and jumps on her and says, "Bug!" with two G's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's able to fumble her way out, and she finally does get out of the um, ambulance. As she's going through, Danny Land is falling apart around her. Which is obviously because the Vector are smashing or have smashed the ambulance. Things are going wrong. And Danny's kind of like broadcasting reassuring uh, broadcasts. Pretty well done. On her way out, Casey's leg, also the the bottom of her right leg, vanishes. So she has to crawl along. It's sort of a crazy time. But as she gets to the ambulance, the Vector, a hand comes out and grabs her. Um, They they kidnap Casey, who seems to faint right away. I guess maybe they sprayed her with something. I don't know. And they stuff the Glomer thing into a bag. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I love the fact that I hate that thing already, and I think I yes, think I think we're, we're supposed, supposed to. to hate him already. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's he he sucks, but he sucks in a very specific way <laughs> that I yes. think is important. 
Um, we do take a little, our, our usual, every issue, we take a little moment for something weird to happen with Niles Calder. And this time, he uh, <laughs> he's making an orange robot that, that looks basically like Cliff Steele, but has his head, but an orange version of it. Uh, it gets up, and it punches him in the face, and then walks away and calls him a hand turkey. <laughs> I don't know what a hand turkey is. I don't, is don't really know. the kids draw I, on I, Thanksgiving? Having seen all of these and the weird things that are happening... I think we're going to find out this is all happening in Niles Calder's head or in some sort of a... Well, where did we leave him on Oolong Island? Is he still in that drawer? Didn't they put him, like, in a drawer or, like, a cryo-freeze? They did put him in. They put his head in a drawer. But then he got the Superman body, right? That's right. He did after that, but but they defeated that. I think he he ended up... Oh, you know what? I think he ended up dead. Okay. Yeah, Uh, they they put Mr. the, the, The boy, the young kid, Mr. Negative, in a drawer. Yeah. Uh, okay. In the end, Niles Calder, I think they, they I can't remember how they got rid of super, the Superman body, but uh, yeah. they were able to defeat it, and that was supposed to be the end of him, but that's I happened. I read that run. That's happened before. Yeah, I haven't read that whole run in a yeah. while, partly because they never did the third trade. I have to go back to comics issues, but that's a... You need the singles, my man. I, I have the singles, but but <laughs> so I have to go I have to go back in I'll the box. You know, that's the thing. Uh, anyway, that's my own problem. No, no one else's. <laughs> um, so anyway, so Casey and the, the little Glomer thing have been kidnapped by the Vectra. Looks like, oh, and, and as that happens, the Vectra invade Danny Land. Their whole thing, if you recall from the first issue, is they want to find the unlimited source of food for their fast food operation, they're, Goob Foobers. And, Goob Foober, yeah. Yeah, the, the fact that Danny can make his own people, they're going to basically serve a little soil and green to the people to, of the galaxy, I think is the idea. So that looks like it's totally screwed. We'll see what happens. Meanwhile, back at uh, Casey and Terry Nunn's apartment, this negative energy being that seems to have given Larry the three holes above his nipples, he says, we got to go to negative space. He's like, Cliff says, I want to come. He's like, well, we need a witness. So they vanish, and uh, Terry Nunn is looks amused by the whole thing as she's reading a... Reading a magazine. A, well, she's reading a book <laughs> now. Yeah. Hannah Hook. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's very important stuff. I probably should look it up. So, uh, and that ends it. To be continued. We don't know what's going to happen next, and there is no backup on the Doom Patrols, which is fine with me, because I can take yes. all the pages we can get. But I will tell you, um, I absolutely love this issue anyone that's read my review on the site knows i love this issue uh i did not really think there was a lot wrong with it and and my misgiving uh to this point has been will a new reader be able to jump in that really has been my main thing is this really didn't strike me as new reader friendly i wouldn't call i care well, that, that, I'm that, it so much. that was the decision I made last issue. Was I was like, there's a certain point I can't write for the new readers. You know, I'm yeah. I'm not that, so I'm loving it. But I, but that's always been in the back of my mind. I think this issue puts paid to that, and it doesn't mean that everything. You know, this this comic will never be a everything is explained away nice and neatly. And you know what I mean. You're always going to be a little bit of head scratching here. But if you didn't read Doom Patrol previously and you are curious, like as to what Doom Patrol's about, or like what kind of antics they get into, this is the issue that will explain that to you. Uh, and I think that was a, a really good thing, and and done in a really great way with oh, yeah. the parody comics and with the, the amusement park ride. You know, uh, not just, again, not just somebody standing there saying, and then da 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 you know? Uh, we had a little bit of that in the beginning with Flex Mentolo, but again, that was like two panels, so I wasn't too mad at that. Uh, what did you think? Uh, this 
Oh, my comic of the week, month maybe is. Whoa, this was awesome. Better than Clone Conspiracy? I'm sorry, I shouldn't clone have said that. Clone to what? <laughs> I tell you, I still have Amazing Spider-Man on my pull list at, uh, at where I get comics from. Yeah. I I haven't read an issue of Spider-Man in like three years. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> it just builds. Yeah, that's it's all right. I, I, built. I think Peter Parker is the uh, CEO of PepsiCo now, and Miles, Mal- Miles Morales got a police officer job. So there you oh, go. Oh, very that's good. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, you enjoyed it, huh? You, you dug it? Oh, yeah. This was all... This, yeah, it just... It makes me wish I had more time to read through the entire history again. Yeah, it, <laughs> re- it really does make you want to do a full outrun. At least at, le- at least starting from Morrison. The Morrison bit. And then yeah, go cause... through Pollock, Arcudi, or maybe a little Burn, yeah. and then, you know, Giffen and Clark. Yeah, because Way is not messing around here. He is... He's doing... He's... He's doing some deep cuts. Absolutely, yeah. You know, it's uh, and and when you actually can pick them out, it's like, oh, that's fantastic. I mean, when was the last time we saw the Brotherhood of Dada? Oh, on I lo- and I love those guys. That, you know, oh, that... the one dude who can't read, and where the whole issue is him writing a letter illiterately. I think. Oh, yeah, that oh. was so. You know, uh, and he's he's like writing to his mom, and it's uh, yeah, it's so it's so good. I mean, that that oh, run. Excellent. I, I think I actually started reading that run with that arc. I think the first arc that's is the, not that. That's the right. painting that a Paris. Yeah, I think the oh, first arc so is crawling good. from the wreckage, right? And they, that's when from they the go wreckage. after the yep. scissor men. And I didn't yep. start reading it then. I read it with painting the a Paris, and I kept going. And then over time, I've gone back. Uh, yes, we had the scissor men, and then the uh, the guy with the butterflies pinned to the wall. Oh right, that guy, the, the red, uh, red jack, whatever, the red, red jack, or yeah, something red, like that. Yep. He was really Jack the Ripper. Oh, yep. it's so and, good, man! It, it, and he lived off the off the pain of the butterflies being pinned to the wall. You know, I know there are, oh, there are, there are so a few good. people that have written us to say that they haven't been Doom Patrol fans, but they are liking this, even though that it's it's you know maybe a little difficult, but they are really enjoying the look mm-hmm. and the feeling. If you're enjoying this, you really would do yourself a great service to go yes. read those all those at the minimum. The Morrison Jonathan Case run. Uh, I know they're available on Comixology, so. You can start reading them today uh, if you want. Yeah. I, c- I can't yeah. recommend them more. And and if, if this is if this is to your liking, you're definitely gonna like that. I you're guarantee. Love I it. guarantee yeah. you're gonna love it. And it's gonna inform a lot of what this is also. So it's a win-win. But I I did something for this book that I have not yet ever done for a book a comic book since I began reviewing comic books. Oh, so many whatever a year ago, a year and a half <laughs> ago. Uh, I gave this book a ten out of ten. Um, and I really, I really sat there. I, I was pretty much sitting at a 9.5, but I really was just having, you know, a dialogue with myself. Like, I have no problems with this book, and if I have no problems with this book, how can I not give it the full score? You know, usually I, I would hold back to say something like, well, it's not totally new reader friendly, or a little too much yakety yak on this page. Yeah, but that trains left the station. Yeah, well, exactly. So I'm not worried about new readers anymore, and I definitely felt like, you know, I really feel like a lot of other comics they would have handled this with a wall of text you know what i mean it would have looked like superwoman which i know you haven't even looked at but believe me it's like <laughs> i've got it somewhere it, it, t- take, take a look you'll be like I, you know i could read fewer words in a freaking you know novel for god's sake it's ridiculous <laughs> uh and it says plenty of words so don't get me wrong but the way it's presented is clever and interesting Quite and engaging you know so i i found this to be a perfect singular issue of a comic book of course you know, you have to take into account having, you know, you have to read the first two issues to get the most out of it, but that would be true, I think, of any series. Of any book of this yeah. time. Yeah. No, so what, I, uh, what do you think? 
It's gonna it's gonna sound crazy, but I agree. <laughs> I'm Look sure at that. no one's expecting that. We are simpatico. Yes, the, this is uh, this is the perfect issue of uh, of Doom Patrol for for now. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's this 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 series. It, is... I I can't figure out a bit a way it could have been better. That that really is what it can. And for me, those parody issues just oh god that tickled was... me to no to no end. And it's, it's and the so fact, creative. I, I, oh god, especially that crisis cover. I was like, this is the best <laughs> thing I fucking ever seen. I love it. Yep. So uh, I am having a blast with this book. This is far and away the best of the Doom of the uh, Young Animal books oh, to my mind. Uh, but that isn't to denigrate Shade and Cave, which we're enjoying. And, you know, Mother mm. Panic is uh, at least interesting. You know, yeah, the jury's somewhat out on that. But, you know, uh, so far, now that we've gotten all four, four books, I'd say this is a pretty cool imprint or whatever it is, you know. Like, this is a real neat little corner of the DC universe. Yeah. A lot of fun. Whatever, whatever they're doing to justify making it separate, it, it, it's worth it because it, it is. It has its own, obviously, its own flavor and... Uh, you know, they're able to, I guess, maybe apply a different marketing. I have no idea. I'm sure there are all kinds of accounting reasons as to why it has to be separate, but yeah. uh, it's it's working. I, I, I'm enjoying pretty much everything coming out of it to varying degrees. So good job, Gerard Way. I've never, I still don't know any of your songs offhand, but... Is the, the Black Parade, is that one of them? I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I bet if I, you know, like I said, I think I said this on the first episode, I bet I know the singles. I you know probably. what I mean, but I, I can't think of any of them. Yeah, I, I I probably wouldn't know him if he came to deliver a pizza to my house. But... <laughs> exactly. Like, I, <laughs> well, it's, you know, a, a lot of, especially initially, a lot of people's reviews were, I don't like this comic because I don't like a My Chemical Romance. And I'm like, this really works in my favor because I don't know a damn, you know, I don't know uh, yeah, this guy here. shit. Like, <laughs> that's not going to affect my opinion at all. I mean, when that stuff came out, I was already, you know, coming up on uh, 30, I guess, and I wasn't yeah. really bad. I don't think it's ever been my genre anyway that ain't your jam no you know me i'm more of a you know new tribe called you, quest record came out today by the way you, you everybody don't, you don't cut yourself to, just to see if you can feel i try not to i try <laughs> okay. not to what, what is it what is that song cut my life into pieces this is my last resort right I always that's see, uh, papa roach yeah <laughs> i always see kids quoting that online i've never i've never heard that song either but you're not missing anything. Yeah, that's all right you know that's <laughs> believe me and and if you think i was out of touch in the early 2000s I don't know shit about what's going on with music today, folks, so don't even, yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> it happens to everybody. You will one day wake up and turn on the radio and be like, I don't know what this even is. Is this even music? I have no idea. Or, or even worse, you're going to be flipping by an oldie station and you're going to know something. Oh, that'll be even, you'll be like, wait, is it, this is an oldies? This just came out, yeah. oh, 20 years oh, ago. 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, I was, uh, my, my, I was in my friend's car like two weeks ago and I, I don't know what it was. You put on some hip Pop. And Chris, I, I wish I could play it right now. I knew what it was. I, I couldn't even critique it because I didn't even know understand it as any <laughs> music I'd ever heard before. I was like, I don't even know what I'm hearing. Like, you know what I mean? This could be the greatest thing, or it could be a piece of crap. It's not even like on a metric that I feel like I understand. So that's how out of touch you can language. get, folks. Yeah, I mean, literally, I might as well. They might, he might as well have turned on the Polish radio station. I would've been like, whatever. <laughs> But anyway, that is our two Young Animal books for this week. Uh, yes. I think, you know, pretty positive week, even though Mother Panic wasn't loved. It definitely was not hated. A bit hated. of a slow starter, yeah. So, you know, believe me, sometimes you come out of a book not come out of a week not hating your comic books. That's what we call a good week. That's a <laughs> <laughs> uh, You got anything else for him, Chris? 
I think we're I think we're good. All right. Well, until next week, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. A mother, a wearing my father. <laughs>